0: And we're back with the second part of this featured episode from Fathoms, and Enneagram podcast that I'm also a part of. If you haven't listened to the first part of this uh, conversation with Mario and Russ Hudson, definitely go back and start with part one, give you some context, but please enjoy. And we'll be back with the Subtypes of Eight next week. Welcome back to part two of... The finale episode.
1: Can they come back to this. part two if they haven't been to part two yet? I'm just well, asking been,
0: for. They're coming
1: directional. Purposes. Unless this like is like the first pre, time you're listening again, you can't go okay. back. <laughs> unless, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> wow! Thanks, I live y'all. I to uh, ruin <laughs> your
2: introduction. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll join in with Lindsay every time. So <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Um, <clears throat> Whether you're joining us for the first time or you're coming back from <laughs> wherever you're coming back from, your essence. Um,
3: <laughs> this is awesome. Bring your ego and join us for the ride. It all belongs.
0: Whether your chakras are aligned or whether they're all stirred into a pot today, you know, Um <laughs>
3: Here pause the show, watch silo and come back
0: <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> um, So so this is this is like a, an intro to the second part of this interview and you you may have already listened to the first interview. If you have not, I would suggest doing that because that, that that gives some context to what you're about to go into. but but before you go back, I would say listen to this listen to this intro. Um, because I think we realized as we were listening to it for the 621st time, um, (laughs) that were, that a lot of who we have in mind for this interview is a lot of, is, is more for the teachers out there of like, Hey teachers, this is really important for you to do your work in knowing how to define your terms and what those terms imply and the mentalities that are associated with those terms. Um, but we also know that not every one of our listeners is planning on teaching. You may be in a cabin in the middle of the woods, not ever really interacting with humans. (laughs) It doesn't matter what you call ego in essence. No, it doesn't. What we're talking about with ego in essence is what is your unique human experience and expression and, and the things that may get in your way and the potentialities that you hold to continue to grow and evolve. So we wanted to get practically into who cares, use whatever. (laughs) Let's call it unicorn and muffins, you know, (laughs) like I don't care, but let's the, what is the lived experience that we can expect and maybe the problematic mentalities that we're critiquing, not necessarily the words. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's, let's, let's dive into that a little bit. And by the way, we have Lee Fields here who was, (laughs) you've heard throughout the, uh, interview process and so we wanted to get her thoughts initially um on her experience so let's let's start there actually um lee your experience being in this interview what surprised you about it
3: thanks creek and thanks for having me um well it was it was a lot the interview was a lot um (laughs) to to be in the room and sort of be a a fly on the wall during this conversation between um, Mario and Russ, and they they just have these concepts like internalized, right? Yeah. So them talking about it is like I feel like I could listen to the to interview seventeen times and hear something completely different every yeah. time. And the the piece to me that I thought my sort of takeaway at the end was it's great to talk about the concepts, and I could get lost in that. And not have it be practically useful. It would be just a way for me to continue to procrastinate doing work because I don't mm-hmm. understand everything about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of my caution in getting like bogged down. There's great content there. And now, what do I do about that later this afternoon in my real life? Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. In the grocery store. Yeah. Lee, what did you walk away from that conversation? Like how, how do you, how are you choosing to use these terms or not use these terms moving forward?
3: Well, as a teacher, I'm kind of in, in Mario's philosophy of thinking about not using the terms, like using different terms to, to get to those points. But the, the main takeaway that I personally took from the conversation was about my relationship to myself through the lens of those terms and how I, um, okay, I'm externally processing, but give me a second, how how I have come to identify with my ego or my personality in a way that I didn't necessarily see, but through the conversation of the relationship between the dynamics of ego and essence as self-concepts, I can have a broader vision of myself and all that's a lot of words to say that I can use that to see myself, to observe myself more clearly when I'm falling into the pattern of identifying with my personality or my pattern. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Any.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I understand the, the words that are, you were saying.
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Could I, I, use, I
0: hear it as English. Yes.
3: Wonderful. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> could, could I use my Irish example here? Would that be useful? Yes. No? Okay. In the Irish language, they would not say, I am sad. They would say, sadness is on me. It's happening right now, but it isn't the state of who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think that the concepts of ego in essence give me a handle on understanding that who I take myself to be isn't all of who I am or a permanent state, right? I have some choice in how I respond, but I also have to be with what is, whether I would initially or whether I would resist it by nature or not to allow it.
0: That's great. So, so let's do this. So I'd love to hear from each of you if you're going to explain these concepts to a five-year-old without using the words. Just simplistically, what does it mean to grow? What gets in? What gets in your way of growth? What gets in your way of maturity? How do we continue to grow? How, how do you? If a five-year-old asks you that, like, dang, five-year-old, that's that's a really deep question. And go <laughs>
1: right. Like, who is um, that five-year-old? <laughs> Yeah. I want to meet
0: them. <laughs> it's a next, it's a Bodhisattva.
1: <laughs> it's chat GPT.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I don't know if this
2: is, I mean, this is including the five-year-old probably in me rather than just to a five-year-old. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, kind of piggybacking uh, off of what you and in, I initially started this creek and even just some of what Lee's already said. Um, Let's we'll see if this <laughs> can come out of my brain uh, into language uh, that is understandable. You know, ego, in essence, uh, all these other terminol—this terminology um, in the personality system or the enneagram system, passions, fixations, virtues, whole ideas. You know, these are right. These are just concepts that we we use to try and categorize the experience. I would say of being stuck or free. Um, and to me, that is what we're trying to communicate with, ultimately, with this system. What we're trying to help people um, see how and why they're stuck, and because of that, that those that is the actual grist for the mill um, for becoming free. And so, like, we don't have to actually live out the suffering that comes from, as Lee said, identification with old patterns or. Another way to say identification maybe is the for for maybe a five-year-old is like the way that you avoid what's happening right now, mm-hmm. what's actually happening in front of you. Mm-hmm. And so you cling to what you're com- comfortable with or familiar with. We can become more free and grounded and resilient and curious um, instead of only reacted, reactive and dysregulated and frustrated all the time. So I, I would just come back to simplifying it to that that language of being um what it feels like to be stuck and what it feels like to be more free and kind of with here with things as they are
0: yeah and you're not necessarily correlating ego and essence to those words that's just that's literally just this is what it means to continue to mature and to grow is to recognize those states and I w- yeah, I
2: wouldn't correlate them exactly with that, but I think that's what those concepts are trying to help us with.
0: Right. Right.
1: These are the kinds of conversations that'm I'm, I'm having with my kids. so I'm trying to trying to recall some of the things that have resonated with them, that have helped them. And I think that some of these things that that we talk about, at least are, maybe how I would say it is, that there, there are things about you that are, that are only you, you are the only you. (laughs) And when you are willing to look at yourself with honesty and curiosity and also a lot of compassion and love, those might be advanced words for a five-year-old, but, (laughs) um, you can begin to see yourself and others, with more appreciation and acceptance. And so I think that some of the language that was coming to me at first was about growth being synonymous with feeling more peaceful or feeling more joy or feeling all of these things that we sort of connect to like positive emotions. And then I thought like, that's not that's not really what we're talking about here because it's not the it's not only the presence of positive emotions and good feelings between with, within ourselves and between us and others. It is curiosity and compassion even in the middle of those difficult moments and those really hard, you could call them negative experiences or negative, they would be seen in some cases as negative emotions, feelings that we would want to run away from or get away from really quickly. But what happens if you stop? and you don't run away, and you say, this is this is real, and it's happening now, and I love myself a lot, so I'm going to get curious, then that is, I love that you use the word freedom, Abram, because that was the word that was coming to me too. That, that gives you the freedom to appreciate, to accept yourself and others, which ultimately, honestly, if I'm speaking from personal experience, is going to lead to more of those moments that that we really all long for, more peace, more love, more joy. It really will lead to more of those because we're able to experience those things even in the middle of difficult circumstances or situations.
3: One of the best definitions of the Enneagram that I've heard, Creek is actually from you. Um, yes. And <laughs> <What>? <laughs> amazing. It's how I, It's for sure how I would start explaining it to a five-year-old, and I mean that in the best possible way. I think it's the essence of what it is, which is the Enneagram is nine ways we filter reality. Mm -hmm. Right? Interesting. And I think that if five-year-olds understood that there were an assortment of ways that reality is filtered and there's not... A hierarchy of correctness about that,
1: mm.
3: right? That it just is
4: mm-hmm.
3: a different lens, like seeing the different colors of the rainbow, right? They're all colors. And mm-hmm. when we are learning how to operate in the world, we think that our way of seeing is the safest way or the best way or the mm-hmm. only way, right? And so we we give that way privilege. We want that to be true because it feels safe and familiar. But sometimes those safe and familiar places are actually limiting us from a full experience. Mm -hmm. And we might resist things that would be good for us because it feels unsafe. Mm -hmm. So if we can learn to see through the different lenses of color, we can see that stuff that might have felt scary is really safe. And stuff that might have felt safe could be scary. So just to accept that it all is, and that we're part of what is.
0: I don't think we need to move. I think we're done well here. Said. <laughs> this is and that was, scene.
3: Oof. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that was really good. Yeah, you don't even have to re- listen to the rest of this episode. That was that was enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well done, Lee.
3: Jeez. You started um, it. <laughs>
0: Don't be pointing fingers. Um, It
3: was a great image. It was a great image.
0: Yeah. Wow. If I may expand on that analogy of the colors, we all have different emotional relationships to the colors we see, the ones we're attracted to, the ones that make us feel good, the ones that make us feel uncomfortable. And I think the, the... inner work in general and the work that the enneagram helps us to do is to help name the ways in which we're predisposed to attach to a certain color Mm
5: -hmm.
0: and think that it's the only one that works and also the ways in which we see other colors and yeah, yeah we feel threatened by it so like i am predisposed to earth tones to to blacks to whites to grays to greens like darker things right you will never see me in a brightly colored shirt um (laughs) because that goes against what i feel like on the inside you know i I know Lindsay really wants me to there's
1: still time
0: be color i'm still holding (laughs) hope (laughs) um teasing but as i accept you just the way you are thank you but i can be better um (laughs) But it's yeah, as I've as I've honestly, weirdly, aesthetically speaking, as I've grown and and learned to I'm I, finding myself reacting against a certain color as like, no, that's that's ugly. That's terrible. Why would you mm-hmm. do that? But then actually, mm, let me let me be curious about this. How does how can I make this work in a way that I like it? in a, in a way that works for what it is that I'm trying to express and become. And, and is it okay if I stand out a little bit, I don't always have to blend in with the surrounding forest. (laughs) Um, So, so I think this work is about expansion and talking about expansion and contraction. Expansion doesn't always mean all the options. It can mean here's one option how can i dig further into it and find more options within it mm. um more more ways of holding more of it and i think those are the those are the mentalities that we're critiquing in this episode not again not necessarily the words the words do have consequences mm. and we need to pay attention to those words that we're using but the mentalities that we are critiquing are those that are about contraction and limitation and just continuing to limit how we perceive and how we act in the world um, and what our potential is and the range of possibilities that are deemed as okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's those are the things that we are critiquing and we're inviting people into is maybe there's another possibility.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, color, I like the colors thing just as a way to get anag- an analogous, anag-less, an- an- anag-less. analogous
3: analogous <laughs> For sure. <laughs> that's,
2: that's the word right <laughs> there. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm, it just makes me think of, I was talking about this the other day with someone about how I think the Enneagram is inherently a model for engaging conflict or difference seen as an obstacle versus Beautiful diversity, and how one could say, just going along with your color thing, like different color, mm-hmm. only understood as an obstacle, tends to reveal how I think we are divided against the difference within ourselves first. And trying to relate this back to like speaking to a five year old. I mean, again, Lee just kind of said it. We don't need to keep talking, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, but we're on a podcast. But we're going to. So we <laughs> 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 yeah, I, but I just, I just like, I like the idea that uh, it's valuable to say that that difference does feel threatening mm-hmm. at first. It's a uh, Rabbi uh, Jonathan Sachs who says that we must learn how to feel enlarged by difference, not threatened. The Enneagram is is largely about helping us expand beyond the things that we've outgrown and i think that's what really it means to grow like if you just take that word transformation you're transcending your initial formation i think that's what that means and i think that's what it means to keep growing as we Mm. keep transforming into uh, allowing ourselves to be with and affected with what is here right now today
1: and i i feel like that can change over time right so what's I I was talking with you guys yesterday about how when I first entered the Enneagram space, how terms then were really transformative for me. And I was experiencing a lot of growth. I was using phrases like true self and false self. And I needed to hear at that point because I had been conditioned into so much bypassing of valuable parts of myself. I needed to hear there's something really true and wonderful about you that you need to practice embracing. And that was my work then. And then as I did that work, I realized there are all these things about me that I'm calling false. And they're not false. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's all me, right? There's it's like Tara Brock says, real but not true. I'm having this experience of me and it is real, And so I started to get really uncomfortable with calling things that were real for me false um, because then I felt like that was slipping into bypassing again. So then I needed fresher language, newer language. Now, as a teacher of the Enneagram, I'm not quite sure I'm ready to let go of true and false. I also am going to be way more careful when I use those words and I'm going to qualify what I mean when I say those. And I might say something along the lines of like, Saying false self doesn't mean that anything that you're experiencing is wrong or bad. Yes, I see that hand.
2: I have a question, Lizzie, <laughs> uh, for you. Is in my silliness, I might have just forgotten the question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no. Uh, Classic. What helped you begin to include what you were initially calling false, a change in perception?
1: Mm. I started learning about trauma. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I just, I kept learning. I kept learning about human experiences. And when I learned that maybe there are things I'm calling false that are just very, very real wounds that are manifesting in behaviors that I would really like to change. These are, these are triggers and it's something is happening in me that I need to get more curious about and more aware about because it's not working. This is not working for my relationships. It's not working for the path I want to take in my life. So what is going on here really? And what I discovered was that there there were a lot of layers of really, really, really real stuff that I needed to meet with a lot of compassion and tenderness and professional help in some cases (laughs) and difficult conversations honest conversations, um, but none of it was false.
2: Yeah, I was just trying to relate this then, Lindsay, to some of the interview that we're we are trying to talk about here. Could you say that the parts of yourself that your your perception is changing around, the parts of you that maybe you previously were okay with calling false and have, have been learning now how to re-own, are those... The core qualities or the essential qualities, mm-hmm. the things that Russ and Bo- and Mario were both naming, the, the parts of us, you could even probably, I would say, relate this to temperament. Um, at least the parts of you in the environment that you grew up in that were told that were un- uh, socially unacceptable. Are those the parts of you that, in including those things, you're maturing them and that's a part of your growth?
1: Yeah, yeah. because if we're looking through the lens of our personality, there's all kinds of things we're going to see as false. That aren't false, right? My right. my two-ishness is going to tell me that taking the spotlight is selfish, wrong, bad, yeah. insensitive. And so yeah, it's it's really important to detach from the lens of the personality to to transcend the lens of the personality so that you can see these things I've been calling false and these things I've been calling true. I'm still attaching those definitions to my personality. And so, yeah, I think a lot of that, the work that I've been doing is, is to be able to see beyond, beyond the personality to embrace things about me that I was, I was relegating them to the shadow and they weren't ever deserving to be there. They needed light
2: to grow. Yeah. And that's what I meant by change of perception. Yeah. 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 That's good.
0: And it's, it's like for the four it's like the whole it's not okay to be too happy right i'm not allowed i'm not allowed not allowed to be happy and if i'm happy that i'm not actually i feel like i'm not in touch with authenticity
1: Mm
0: -hmm. right and that is partially true i think that's that's the expansion that we're talking about it's partially true that if i'm only attached to happiness then i'm actually missing the deep gift of grief Mm -hmm and of noticing what's missing, noticing what isn't here. That's equally a part of the unfiltered experience. Yeah. And so, but it's, it's attaching to one or the other that gives us that, that, that causes us to suffer yeah. and to not see clearly. The reintegrating of both options is what we're talking about, is where those potentialities, those essential qualities emerge of equanimity for me.
3: Mm-hmm. You can't have either or, or you know, you can't have both with either or or, right? If you're only focusing on the positive and saying what is your true self or your false self, or having that split between them, it's excluding part of reality. Yes. If I were talking to the five year old again, the main thing I would want to say is growing is an option, right? You have to choose it, and you're never going to be done growing. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think that that's part hey, oh of what. <laughs> come on. Um, that's part of what the bifurcation—I wouldn't say bifurcation to a five—that's <laughs> part of what the split, <laughs> <laughs> the split between true self and false self is. Is it lets us live in a lie that we think we've finished growing?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. That's Ooh. it. I'm healthy now, and then we're then we're only seeing one color again, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that the gift, if if all five-year-olds could know this now, we would live in a very different world what? here in a couple oh, of decades. Oh, <laughs> right? Right? I know. Um, this. There may be some instinctual bias showing here as I say this. I'm like, this would fix everything and people <laughs> should do it. Um, but <laughs> to, to know, oh... It's such a simple truth. Everybody doesn't think the way I have to. I have other options and I can still be safe. And there's always something else that I haven't seen yet, right? Mm. It doesn't have to be coming from a place of fear. It can be coming from a place of curiosity and wonder. What next? Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right?
3: What else is there? Instead of I have to stay here. hmm if I'm only looking directly ahead of me, I'm missing everything in my periphery and the stuff behind me. And all that is still happening, whether I can see it or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Enneagram gives us the awareness that there's more there there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So take
3: a look around.
2: I'm really thinking of my, my own kids. My, I have a six-year-old who was five recently. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> That's how that works. <laughs>
2: This is so funny. Math. Oh, man. Not everybody sees the same way. And this is because if you think about, you you are familiar with patterns, right? I'm talking to my five-year-old or six-year-old. You know what a pattern is. The way that you think, you have thoughts, right? And your thoughts start to form in a pattern. When your mind is on a pattern, when you're thinking about a pattern you don't see uh, other things. That that means you miss different things. Mm. And patterns begin to control our lives, whether we like it or realize it or not. Mm-hmm. And this isn't to say that patterns are good or bad, but what it means to keep growing is to update the patterns uh, we are operating with. Mm-hmm. And, and when we don't, this is why we find ourselves in reoccurring issues that seem confusing because we're still looking at it with the same patterning of thought. And I would say even like your quality of life is largely dependent on the quality of the pattern system you're operating with and, and how expansive that is or how old those patterns are that you're trying to navigate life with now. Because the environment in which you're, your, your first pattern started is a different... You're li- you don't live in that environment anymore. And so what it means to grow yeah. is to let your patterns grow with your environment.
3: I think this is a place where actually using more words could help, which is to use words to say you have a relationship with yourself. You have an internal relationship with yourself and you have an out-of-yourself experience in the world. And learning how to communicate with yourself will have an impact on everything in your life mm. because your brain will build a pattern around it if you don't make an intentional one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And just to be like, oh, that's an option,
0: mm-hmm.
3: right? How do yeah. I learn to know myself?
0: Both knowing yourself and knowing how you're perceived by others. I think that's the second step.
3: And yeah. how you're perceiving yourself and how that limits you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. By using the the... Only the one color or the two colors that you're familiar with, you're you're missing parts of yourself. It's mm-hmm. not just relationships with other people or not causing other people suffering. Mm-hmm. It's your primary relationship with with your own self mm-hmm. will have an impact on all of those.
2: Yeah, you know, we're really describing a um, a unity of self, actually a unity uh, in our interior world um, in which we have honored. Each of the diverse parts, uh, the false parts of ourselves that we once perceived as such, uh, that can be now, you know, re-owned. Um, and, you know, that, that favorite definition of mine of unity: diversity maintained and protected by love. And that is what I think the Enneagram at its finest does for us. It, it brings about a unity first within so that it can be as well without.
0: I forget which artist it was who they were painting with all the colors and then they got overwhelmed with the amount of options, right? So then they decided to just go with black and white. And so, and, and they, they continued to just use black and white. And I, I don't remember what the artist's name was, but insanely beautiful paintings, right? So what we're saying is, is not that like, you can't uniquely express the colors that you are most comfortable with and that you most connect with. But it's oftentimes if we get fixated on those colors, then it becomes just a two dimensional uninspiring drawing. But then this, this artist expanded into all the colors, took what it needed from those and then, and then went deeper into its own colors with the context of the other colors in mind. And I think that that is, that's what we're talking about is how do you take a more expanded view of all the options and then filter it through the way you uniquely express yourself?
2: Well, what's interesting about what you just said for me is uh, you, in my mind, you just described that story with the painter, the perfect analogy for personality development. You come into the world as a little kid and everything is overwhelming and information is inundating you and you're not able to um, experience all of it. That's just, that's overwhelming. And uh, so even the color choice that you narrow into, black and white, that is the ego. <laughs> or whatever we want to say here, this is how we narrow in on um, what is me and what I think is not me, black and white. Uh, and in, in the embrace of that, we're able to start including other colors and paint more colorfully but we have to we have to that is a process Mm -hmm. um, actually that is developmental in nature that's how that goes and and I and I'm just even remembering back to what Lindsay was saying about the value of of naming something first but then how that actually can become its own hindrance and so labels are important but they don't describe everything and that's where we get Mm -hmm. into trouble
0: and the the eventual goal is who again back to who cares whether what you call it ego essence muffin suitcase like it is about your internal experience and how open can you be to your experience and be Curious enough about the differences and the ostracizations that you're experiencing, the contradictions you're experiencing, that you can begin to integrate them, include them, and be excited about finding else what else is true, finding out what else is true. And so, with that being said, second half of this interview, hope you really enjoy it. Um, you'll be jumping right into Lee talking about Pablo Picasso, and I think it actually works quite well. Um, with what we were just talking about. So (laughs) thanks again, and we'll see you on the other side.
3: The sort of image that's coming to mind for me from both of you talking is um, potentially problematic artist Pablo Picasso, right? Yeah. Like, he could abstract because he knew how to render... A bull, for example, mm-hmm. right? Like he understood the bones, the sinews, the nerves, the musculature, the skin, the whole thing. And the way that he could simplify uh, the bull mm-hmm. to a series of marks that you could recognize as such was because he had an internal understanding of what made the bull essentially mm-hmm. a bull. <laughs> yes. Right? whereas you know i know that people will go into a, an art exhibit and say oh i could do that right yeah well but my five year old my <laughs> five year old could <laughs> do that why why <laughs> but but it wouldn't necessarily be universally archetypally recognizable across language and time right as a bull <laughs> but somehow his meaningful marks are yes right and i i think sort of bringing that to this conversation as we've had the beginning of like, okay, here are the definitions and now we're gonna complexify it into the concept and theory and the history and the evolution. And now to bring that sort of back to the scaffolding or structure um, that we can now maybe begin to put more meat and <clears throat> stuff on that on those bones. Mm-hmm. How do we move forward with um, with a group of listeners that we may have, who this may be the first time they've heard ego in essence at all, mm-hmm. or maybe they've learned the terms somewhere and are even using them, um, but not perhaps using them um, well. using them well, right? They don't have they don't have a lineage to draw from other than Instagram or um, <laughs> right. you know something like that. How then can you move forward to redefine? how we might think of the concepts that these words are placeholders for in actual tangible Enneagram work, close quote, or inner work of whatever sort to take a practical next step in either learning more about it or applying it. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Again,
6: my snark answer is you could call it tomato or bozo the clown if you want. You still have to define it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No word is going to suffice to explain what we're talking about. The thing that will come up with a better word, go ahead. Essence, as you think of the word essential, what is essential, pretty good word.
4: Here's my thing.
6: <laughs> if we could make a beautiful graph with the Enneagram or anything, there's a somewhere there's on one hand is ease of understanding and the other end is usefulness. Ease of understanding goes down as you move toward usefulness. As you go towards usefulness, it gets harder to understand. And as as you you keep it really easy to understand, it's useless, absolutely useless. The flattening of the Enneagram and reducing it to a conversation of just which of the nine boxes you go in is the destruction of the Enneagram, is the end of it. Mm. It is not what it is, never what it was. It was a tool for people to see what what was going on in them under the bonnet, under the hood, right? And from that, to be able to have a chance to mature into something beyond it. You take that away, you've turned it into shit, to be blunt. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the developmental part of it, you're wasting your time. Mm. Who needs a filing system for human beings? Boring useless we already file people in all kinds of ways they're mostly pretty pathological racism is that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right religious prejudice is that so it just becomes a tool of othering when you take the enneagram out of its original context it it's it's silly when you but to put it in its context does not mean buying into a particular religious idea or sensibility. But it does mean underst- when you get into ideas like what are the centers? There's an interesting thing. How many people really understand what the belly center is mm-hmm. and talk about it every day? How many people really understand anything about the heart center? Mm-hmm the level of amateur discussions of this of people who don't haven't really done the exploration is like somebody saying i'll take you up mount everest even though i've never climbed a mountain before
4: mm-hmm.
6: that's what we have now the problem is commerce <laughs> you can know a little bit about this and it impresses people you can say you can just somebody has never heard it before you start describing the nine types oh my god I'm such a seven, I had no idea. And that's interesting and fun, but where do you go with that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What does it do Mm -hmm. for you? Nothing, if you don't have the developmental component. Now, Mari and I are not here to just put people in categories. We're trying to help people grow up, open up to their potential, avoid some of the pitfalls that have screwed up their lives and their relationships. We're here to try to help human beings, but you can't do that by simplifying this back to just talking about types. You have, however you language it, you have to have that developmental component. You know. And I agree that we're in a different time and we're in a different sociological reality mm-hmm. now. And how we talk about that is different. Gurdjieff again said, no one had talked about what he was talking about mm-hmm. before the way he did before him. He was doing it for the big, the the rise of this is the Victorian time, the rise of the scientific age. So he talked about things in a certain way. But we're not even in that time anymore. And there's ways Gurdjieff talked about things that are already, you know, 100 years later, we, we need different ways to talk about things. That's true. But we're not going to find something easier. Hmm. We may find something that's more congruent with contemporary sensibilities. But when you're trying mm. to take people out of their usual perspective, if you just reduce everything to their perspective, you've done nothing for them. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
6: You've just stroked their narcissism, thank you, that'll be $5,000. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so how do we use it to leverage Individual development, helping people with their work, their relationships. And again, I'm saying if there is some real development, it will impact their behavior and the way they show up in their lives. Otherwise, what are we talking about?
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any conversation, we're always talking about multiple things, right? So Mm -hmm. we're talking on the one hand about terminology, but we're also talking about the so what, the application of it. So it's one thing to talk about working on our ego, but... What, is, what does that mean? What does it look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are different approaches to that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And again, some people like chocolate, some people like vanilla, right? You look mm-hmm. at any wisdom, tradition, any religion, there are different approaches. You yes. look at Buddhism, you've got Zen Buddhism on this you know end of the spectrum. you've got Tibetan Buddhism on this end of the spectrum. Zen Buddhism is very simple and clear and precise, but profound at the same time and so the the recipe is easy sit up straight and breathe (laughs) and in 20 years of hard work you'll become enlightened right and the tibetan tradition is much more complex and has you know more symbology and all these other sort of things so um and they're both equally valid they're both good they're both useful you can grow with them so Again, we want to tease out, if I kind of go back to your question as I understood it, we want to tease out the difference between the words we use and the work that's involved behind those words. Yes. Mm -hmm. And again, for me, you know, I don't use the word essence because it means too many things to too many people. And so I would rather go at something else Right, or talk about it in a different way that is more confined or defined or you know, specific. That doesn't mean that Russ's use of that word or interpretation of that word is invalid right or problematic in any way. Now, Russ can use the word essence in a way that is reasonable and sensible, and then I hear other people using the word, and it's not meaning the same thing, and the work behind it mm-hmm. is absent, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's the danger, mm-hmm. right? That's the danger. For me, I always want to yes. hear is like, okay, so what, <laughs> right? What are you doing about this, okay? I, I I hear what you're saying. I get what it is. What are you doing, mm-hmm. right? Because otherwise, we're just sitting around using fancy words that we don't know what they mean, and uh, you know, trying to impress people.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. like you never do. <laughs> uh, yeah, nah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, do yeah. we
2: only let Russ and Mario use these words? How, how do mm. we? What do we? What do we do about the fact that everybody has this now? Oh,
6: I think that uh, do your homework. Yeah, do yeah. your homework. It's more this grandstanding and presenting mastery when we have barely learned it. Mm -hmm. People ask me, how do you get to teach the way you do? I said, I was doing practice and inner work for 20 years before I ever presumed to sit down in front of people and teach about this. Mm -hmm. 20 years. And there are some traditions they wouldn't let you teach Mm -hmm. in much less than a decade. So I'm just saying that Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to have 20 years. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But you've been to one work. I've had people come to one workshop. So I'm going to go teach this next week. And the mastery course appears, right? Mm-hmm. This is the sickness of our time. Mm-hmm. It's not just the Enneagram. It's like mm-hmm. coaching profession. Yeah. How, how many people are there coaching that don't know what the hell they're doing? Yeah. How many yoga teachers have learned six poses at the gym and they're yoga masters? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, we need to have a shift toward the patience and the joy of apprenticeship, of really learning something well. Mm-hmm. You know, um Malcolm Gladwell had that wonderful book, uh, Tipping Point, right? Mm -hmm. About how many hours it takes before you're really masterful Mm -hmm. at something. Mm -hmm. And people just think that we can present as if we have that knowledge when we don't. And then we don't know what these words Mm -hmm. mean. And I'm saying anybody can find out what they mean. Anyone can find their own relationship with that word. But that takes doing your homework. Mm -hmm. It probably has to do with living it. as well, yes, right? that's that's a yeah. big part of doing the homework.
0: I think this relates to, I mean, a lot of how we use ego in essence is bypassing the difficult stuff. Yeah, right? and, yeah. and what you're speaking to is, though, go to one class and then go teach. It's like bypassing the difficult, hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's mm-hmm. uh, what we're not saying is that you can't make mistakes that you can't learn then unlearn that you (laughs) can't I mean we all as soon as we learn the Enneagram we start typing everything from the floor to the dog right but that's I feel like that's a necessary part of the process. You need a
6: spectrum you need a spectrum of what is and what is not. Yeah Don Reese and I used to say we all have to go through Enneagram adolescence Mm -hmm. where we're typing everything that moves and yeah. things that don't move, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's just, you do that, and yeah. that it's a, but it, it's fine. We need to do that. The problem is when we're at that stage and we're calling ourselves a master mm-hmm. and putting ourselves out, again, humility, right? Mm -hmm. To just say, hey, I've learned about this interesting thing and it's blowing my mind. I like to share what I've learned with you is different than setting yourself up as if you're sitting at the top of a mountain you've never climbed. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a different thing. I'm sure that we agree about that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's like, you know, we watch in in some professions that would get you in trouble Mm -hmm. pretty fast.
0: Yeah. Well, and Mari, I know you talk about <laughs> falsification all the time, yeah. And and so we learn these things. Just keep hammering on that. Keep hammering on that, <laughs> and and that's that's when you can actually start feeling like you have some sort of mastery. Is when like you nothing else is falling off after I beat this mm-hmm. thing to death.
4: Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that's a great point. So I've been kind of doing this deep dive into Karl Popper lately, right? Mm. The, The philosopher of science and this idea of falsification was central to his work. So you've got a problem, you conjecture an explanation. Okay, well, I think it'll, you know, if I do this, then that'll happen. And then you test it, you go through this process of error elimination and you see what works. And so for me, as I started teaching the Enneagram in organizations, I started to see, okay, this doesn't quite work, or this might work here, but it doesn't quite work there. So how do I carve off little pieces? How do I, you know, change this, tweak that in a way that stays consistent to what I learned, what the traditions are, but, again, fits better in that environment, works in that environment. But it is this idea of always asking ourselves, what am I wrong about? Right. how do i know this to be true what is the evidence that goes counter to this mm-hmm. that gets us closer to wisdom that gets us closer to truth because we can never know anything for sure and the moment we start thinking we know something for sure the moment i start thinking oh i know what type you are better than you do or you, you know yeah. this sort of thing <laughs> I, i'm just i have become locked into some static way of thinking and I don't grow. And if I am wrong, I'll never know it. Mm -hmm. And so thus I become ineffective, not only in my own growth, but in the you know helping other people grow. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what the personality structure wants us to do Mm -hmm. is to stop questioning, stop asking. This is what it means, Mm -hmm. you know, to be content, to be happy. Got it nailed down now. Exactly right. right? And it's (laughs) the sorted Yeah, it's the moment (laughs) that we stop rewriting our story. Yeah, yeah. That trouble starts. Mm -hmm. I used to think this, but then I saw that, and now I see it this way. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's the sign of maturity and wisdom.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And is that a way that, as Russ was saying, that we cause the ego to yield?
4: Yes. Right. So it's it's by training our brain. To say, stop thinking you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Stop thinking you are right. Stop thinking you are done.
6: Mm. Yeah.
4: Because mm. okay. mm-hmm. the moment you do that, you're cooked.
6: Yeah. One thing that they have in some of the spiritual traditions, certainly in Zen, it's central. In many of the schools of Sufism, it's central. Is that there? You're not doing this to get enlightened, and now you're done. You're retired. And you get you get your admirers right. Yeah. Please send in your checks in immediately. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that it's more that in in Zen they say perfect enlightenment is perfect practice, hmm. and a similar thing in Sufism. It's like the ability to keep opening to new understanding, to seeing that you're buying into some old story that you re- is irrelevant at best. To the situation, to keep seeing your reactions to things, take a breath and and let something else respond instead of react, learning to be more embodied in your functioning and your living of life. That's a endless refinement. And it's it's in the doing that. I, I think of us becoming almost like part of nature that way. Like we become like sponges in the ocean, you know, filtering the the crap in the in the water out. <laughs> and uh, we're more like participating in a in an engine of of nature becoming more intelligent. And that's just a way of looking at it. but It's a way I like to look at it. Mm-hmm. And there's a way that it, it's what like Mario was saying. You, you you just get better at the whole practice. And, to, and you're showing other people how to get better at it.
3: Am I hearing that if we say that essence is a thing, for the, for the sake of my question, that striving toward it instead of being a ladder or something that we're a goal, that it's a, it's a dance. It's a circuit, mm-hmm. right? So something about experiencing essential qualities is like a perforated line or a a circuit that closes, but not a goal to be achieved or a level to be accomplished, right? Right. And in the noticing that in this moment, I think this is true and this is also true. And that's the dance, right? Seeing a fuller spectrum of the lens of perception Mm -hmm. than the one that I'm conditioned to privilege yeah. Yeah.
6: I think that's true. I think that I also think that the problem with some terms, like the term essence, is that it's it's prey to objectification, it's prey to reification mm, because it's yeah. holding such a big piece. Yeah. You mm-hmm. really learn about what essence is in the specifics. Mm. And in the Enneagram, by looking at the specifics. Like, you know, I don't know what essence is, but I know what kindness is. Mm. Mm -hmm. I don't know what essence is, but I know that uh, relaxed and dropped into my being, I can tell when I'm more or less that. I could tell when I'm out to lunch and spinning and when I'm grounded, I can tell that. Mm. And so I find that the way I try to teach people is not with these kind of fluffy flowery, you know, and vague concepts. There was one thing that Don and I used to always say, real spirituality is not vague. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can tell if you're more in contact or less. You can tell if your mind is clear or or fuzzy. Right. These are not difficult mm-hmm. things to get. Anybody, anybody can get that. If you mm. break it down into the specifics, people tend to know what you're talking about. Essence was just a way that Gurdjieff talked about, and, and spiritual traditions talked about that whole collection of qualities that we kind of want are just part of the picture. But you're, as you said, you're in this kind of you're moving in and out of them. So a lot of the enneagram is training us to notice what we're getting lost in, mm. well, how we lose the thread, how mm. we lose the the rhythm of the dance. Right. And we have habitual ways that we do that.
1: Yeah. Thank you. And yeah. as we're winding down here, yeah. I, I have two questions I'd like to ask I, as long as we're here. <laughs> can you guys mind? Can I just yeah.
4: touch on one oh, yeah, thing sure. there, please? Yeah. I, I know you guys want to get yeah, questions yeah. in, but Russ and I have things to say. <laughs> yeah. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs>
3: 2,000 words or less. So, no. <laughs>
4: Make it a tweet. <laughs> so, so for me, and, 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 and this, what Russ was just describing here, is why I typically don't use the word essence because I'd prefer to get to just be kinder, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what Russ is doing is kind of stepping back a level, right, or stepping back and saying when you're doing all of these things, that's what we call essence. I, th- I think I don't. Make, I don't want to speak for you, right? Yeah. But um, so, so for me, it's you know, okay. Before we get distracted by this term, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Let's look at what some of these specifics are and work on those. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah, and then mm-hmm. we can step back and talk about something more transcendent, right? Something
6: you know, broader than mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Frankly, I don't use the term that much when I'm teaching these days. I get into the specifics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talk about the this sort of, you know, Hamid also uses the term the idealized quality, mm. things like that, uh, when he's particularly talking in, in relation to the Enneagram, but that, that there's something we're after and, again, going about it in a way that won't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's another way of sort of rethreading our experience and coming at it from a little bit different angle. And oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Oops, yeah. there it is. Right. I I, I there's so there. many <laughs> angles. It's
1: almost like you need a conference to talk about yeah. all these
6: things, right. God knows. <laughs> yeah. At
1: least one.
4: <laughs>
6: what was your second?
1: No, um, well, I didn't do the
4: first. Where, one, yeah.
3: Not.
0: What was your first? Oh, first that wasn't the first one. I didn't ask. I interrupted questions. her before oh, so that's she could right, answer. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: When you're you're both talking about kindness, and um, our season four for Fathoms, we were talking about uh, the dynamics of personhood, and we kind of broke that down just for our purposes into individuality, mm-hmm. mutuality, and unity.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so you may think about that in terms of like your life with yourself your life with others and then our life collectively. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you can, with with that in mind, if you can talk about how your approach to these concepts
6: supports those. I mean, obviously what we're talking about, the individu- individuality part we've spoken about. You know, if we're talking about our individual sense of self, being entirely derived by habitual tensions and psychological patterns and emotional reactions, we're we're not really our true individuality. We're in a facsimile. And so, you know, coming back, the work of the centers to relax into your body, to notice your reactions with patience and kindness, to see that your mind is not exactly, I used to joke, how often do people really think they're thinking versus having a repetitive conversation in your head? Mm. That's not thinking. We haven't come to thinking yet. So, you know, just to begin to activate these intelligences is the beginning. Mutuality, I think the Enneagram is helping us from, if I can be out of the way of some of those patterns, there's some chance of me meeting you. I've seen people who have lived together for decades and they've never met, mm-hmm. or maybe a Sunday at breakfast back in 1987 or something. But we don't encounter each other; we don't meet because we're lost in our reactivity, our beliefs, our object relations. You could just go to classical psychology. You don't even need the enneagram. We're we're identified with um, an internal ecology. That doesn't really open to the reality of the other person. Mm. So we learn this inner work so that we might actually meet each other.
1: Mm.
6: And once you got a few people who've met each other, some more interesting things could happen. Interestingly, Gurdjieff talked about, he said for this, he said there were three lines of inner work. The first was, guess what? Work on self. Mm -hmm. Without that, nothing else is gonna happen. But he also said you can't work on yourself alone. You have to do your own work, but you'll go into delusion if you don't have people to bounce off of. The second line of work is being able to meet each other and to work consciously together, which isn't the same as helping each other wake up. That's still the first line of work. Okay, a couple of us here are able to get out of our stuff. What do we want to do now? Hmm. What might we do? This is where you know companies want that. But if they don't do the first line of work, they'll never get there. It's just fantasy. Mm -hmm. But to have a group of people who can actually get out of their own way and meet each other and say, what's exciting? What's cool? What do we want to do here? And then the third line of work is you get a number of people doing that. I'll just have to use a little computer metaphor. Collectively begin to download new possibilities for us as a collective.
5: Mm
6: And that's the aim of the work is ultimately for the transformation of the society, of the world. It's not just my little thing, but it has to start there.
4: Yeah, the, the way I think about it, again, same idea, same outcome. Uh, I'll give an example of what this looks like. So I'm working with an organization. Okay? I'm working with a team. And they'll always ask me, well, why are you teaching us about these personalities? I said a couple of basic reasons. Number one, I'm hoping that you will see something about yourself that will help you to grow, right? Some pattern that you fall into, some behavior that you do without realizing it so that you can change something about yourself, improve in some way. Two, I want you to see the people in this room and how they see the world rather than assuming they see the world the same way you do. Okay? So they're br- And what that does is it allows me to be more compassionate. It allows me to step back and say, okay, this behavior that in the context of the way that I see the world seems irrational or perhaps even male- malevolent is not because it's coming from the way that they see the world. Mm-hmm. So now we can have a conversation because I'm not making assumptions about who you are and why you're doing this thing you do. Mm-hmm. Right? So a, a, a real immediate example of this for me is as a father of four mm-hmm. boys who have different personalities. And if I just assume they should be responding to the world the way that I do mm-hmm. or the way that their brothers do, uh, well, I'm devaluing them as an individual. Mm-hmm. Right? But it's by understanding, oh, well, he does this because yeah. here's the way he sees the world, I can be nurturing and supportive and compassionate to him and give him the feedback or the insights that he needs, not the ones that his brother needs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if we go back to the organization, now that we have this ability to have more skillful relationships, we can function better as, as an organization. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So right. again, it's you know, the same thing, but it's a more specific application of that. Yeah. Thank yeah.
3: you. Curiosity again. Uh, yeah.
4: Yeah, Yeah. curiosity, and it's it's really just the the recognition that my view is not the only view, Mm -hmm. and you know, and we forget this over and Mm -hmm. over and over again. And if nothing else, it's what the enneagram reminds us of. Mm. We see the world differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And if we assume that there's one way of seeing the world instead of nine ways of seeing the world or however many there are, then we struggle. And that it's only Russ's way or only Mario's way or only somebody else's way, then we're missing the whole point of the Enneagram, right? Which is there are lots of paths to the mountaintop. Mm, Preach. And understanding that helps us get there better. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to just thank you both so much yeah. for showing up. This has been amazing. I'm a little disappointed that there wasn't a brawl that ensued. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, what we were hoping
4: for. <laughs>
0: Maybe that's that's for a paid audience. Who knows? Make Vegas odds. Pay-per-view. For, right? for, <laughs> we're, 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 we're the
4: second bout on the uh, <laughs> okay. Elon Musk, uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, octagon. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. That's for the yeah.
3: Patreon. Yeah, there it is. <laughs>
4: So for just
0: closing remarks, what would be um, shortly like your plea to the Enneagram community, to the self-help community at large, whether it has to do with these terms or otherwise, just the thing that you feel like most people are missing right now, that you're just, Mm -hmm. please, please lean into this.
6: I I already said it in a sense. Be a good apprentice. Mm -hmm. Be patient. Mm -hmm. It's going to take you a long time to master this. I don't think there's anybody living who's been doing it longer than me now. Mm. And I still feel like beginner's mind. Mm-hmm. I'm learning new stuff every day. So keep learning. Learn from people who have more experience than you. Who You don't have to copy them, but they may have tips and help and help you avoid some cow pies along the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would also say just keep doing your own practice, keep applying it to yourself because in the end, it's your experience struggling with these challenges and the ways you've gotten free in yourself that is going to be what's going to help someone else find the way out of the box that they're trapped in. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that. Yeah,
0: Thank
6: mm-hmm. you. And, and find good pals along the way, I'd say that. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: absolutely. <laughs>
6: For me,
4: it's um, the enneagram is not complicated, in my view. It's nuanced. Hmm. It is something that continues to reveal, right? And 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 it's not because there's you know twelve chapters of the book and you only got the first chapter right. This right. Part, right. It's not right. like there's some mm-hmm. hidden dogma that you know. But you can take the fundamentals of it and. As you practice and work on yourself, you kind of come back to the same place with a new appreciation and you realize, hey, wow, I thought I understood it Mm -hmm. and in a way I did. But now I realize, oh, but there's something that I understand more deeply now. Mm -hmm. And then when I go through this loop again, I'll find out that, you know, I see it even more deeply now. Mm -hmm. Right. So we have to be humble in that sense that we're always going to keep learning. And as the you know, gray beards like Russ and I, you <laughs> know, look back at, you know, look at all you young people and we say, oh boy, you know, if they th- you know, if they knew half of what they thought. You know, it, it, a few. I have a few <laughs> grace. It. Uh, but it's that we were there once too. Mm-hmm. Right? This is something that I have to keep telling myself, right? Is that mm-hmm. I used to be you. Ignorant and stupid right. like hey? me. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> right? And you know, and and uh, what I wish that I had known then was you're only scratching the surface, mm-hmm. right? And again, not yeah. scratching the surface of all there is to know,
6: mm-hmm.
4: but of all there is to understand. Yeah.
6: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In the end, the knowing of what this is is not just the memorization of a collection of facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's another kind of knowing. It Ooh. takes a while to develop it. Absolutely. Essence. Maturing. Well, thanks again
0: for being on this call.
1: <laughs> thanks <laughs> Complete thanks, callback. <laughs> um,
0: and, uh, yeah. Hands in. <laughs>
1: we can actually do it. <laughs> what, are
0: <we> <laughs> what are we doing? I don't, I don't know. know. I just wanted okay. to do a team
1: okay. thing because so we were confident. all together. It was
4: great. <laughs> <laughs> it's good it's an audio meeting. <laughs> Right.
0: And we're well, you just got done listening to quite the dialogue? Um, <laughs> take a deep breath, go for a walk, maybe pause. Um, Have
2: another snack.
0: <sighs> yes. Uh, <laughs> hydrate. Hydrate. <laughs> Eat some more snacks. We're gonna we're gonna jump into this and talk about a little bit of our experience there. Um, what we took away from that conversation as well as yeah, individually as well Of like, okay, now what? Cause we don't have the answers, right? Necessarily not entirely sure what to do with all this information, but I know personally what I'm going to be doing about this language and how I'm going to be approaching it. So we'll, we'll talk about that and then jump into uh, one little fun thing at the end. So I guess initial, initial reactions um, after listening to that dialogue. Who wants
1: to go first? I felt like I was hearing it for the first time because I'm pretty sure, like, I was completely blacked out when we were in the room. <laughs> like, I was so just enamored by the fact, like, we're all in the room together. Oh my gosh, I'm sitting across the table from <laughs> Russ Hudson. This is freaking amazing.
0: I'm sitting next to Creek. Hello? I was yes, yeah. I right. was
1: like completely just in the fog of everyone's presence, and yeah, um, it was really, really special for me personally. Being there. Um, and I think so going back and listening to that and and reminding myself, oh yeah, that there were actual words being spoken (laughs) that had meaning. (laughs) We're all just caught up in a love cloud together. (laughs) 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 Which is kind of how it felt for me. But um (laughs) yeah, like uh I was really struck by just the humility of the whole conversation, both people have clearly, Russ and Mario have clearly really given so much thought and practiced so much with these, their their preferred phrases and analogies and, and yet to hear each other and to be open to expanding the conversation, expanding the language around it um, was just really wonderful to hear mm-hmm. back again
2: agree with uh, some of what Lindsay said in that, you know, I was appreciative that in a sense, when you get down to it, there are different ways to communicate talking about the same thing. And I think they they honed in on that really well. And I think when you do your work, when you've worked with people long enough, there's not an amalgam of people that happens. You still get to keep your your the things that make up you uh, and mm-hmm. you uniquely you, um, but you begin to be able to talk about the same thing with different languaging. And I think in that sense, uh, their approaches actually actually seem to complement one another rather mm-hmm. than confuse, I would say, or, or like uh, less than confuse, but like be conflictual. And I, I just really, I think that says something without saying something. Uh, I think it says a lot of things about the, even just kind of the nature of truth in a sense but also just that yeah there was there was a level of maturity from two guys that have allowed a system to work on them as well that was that was present and yeah i just uh kind of i guess you could put it in just in some enneagram terms you know you could think of there was kind of i would say the uh, the head the heart and the body approach kind of expressed and you know you need all three of those in order to get a full expression of something, in order to, or at least to understand something more comprehensively. And I think there was a lot of of that. I, I mentioned in the episode that that uh, the idea of the elephant, right, and the and the blind men uh, touching different parts of the elephant, and they're all in the story. They're all arguing. No, it's fluffy. No, it's it's hard. No, it's and there wasn't any of that, and I appreciate that. They m- multiple times they said like, "I agree with Russ," and I would say it this way, or I would agree. I agree with Mario, but but I say it this way, and I I think that was really beautiful. Struck
5: me as a really uh, hopeful example of how two people can actually have a conversation, which seems to be in short supply, you know, in, in our age of outrage, where we just kind of talk past or around one another.
1: Or about guys one are another. Friends.
5: <laughs> yeah, these two are longtime mm. friends who see things uh, differently in some areas and are able to have a, a good, robust conversation about it. And so I, I thought it was great in that regard.
0: Yeah, I'm curious, Drew, as the person that was not there and like listening to it for the first time, did it feel clear? Did it, what, like, what was your initial response or like what was surprising about it?
5: Yeah, I think the, the extent to which they do have common ground was a little surprising. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm. which which is hopeful that that they that there is clarity to be had here. Uh, but you know, the Enneagram community is defined by so many different kind of camps and schools. And so when those camps and schools don't talk to one another, I think that's where a lot of confusion lies, right? And don't take mm. the time to actually listen to one another, right? Cause then you have, cause you have a lot of those instances in this conversation. Like, yeah, I agree with you. However, I talk about it this way. Right. And that's okay. <laughs> that's, you know, th- mm-hmm. there are more than you can turn the gem, you know, a few different ways. Right. And so, yeah, I did, I did think it was clarifying in that regard that there is common ground among, uh, two people that I really respect in this space. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that is, uh, encouraging to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They talked a, a few times about just the. The importance of submitting yourself to the process of learning. And it, it was obvious they're both incredible at embodying the basics. And then being able to communicate from that embodiment in regards to they've done their own work, they've worked with a lot of people in ways that have consequences and not just, I didn't get as many likes on Instagram today. There's actual conferences, (laughs) there's actual consequences (laughs) to the work that they're doing. So they get immediate feedback on, oh no, this person, like I I led this person astray and it's causing this level of harm. And I think we are, if we're we're not doing hard work on ourselves and if we're actually teaching this stuff and we aren't receiving that feedback of how this work in the words we use legitimately affect how someone is flourishing or not. And, and, and holding that really with a lot of respect. I think that's that's what I saw in this conversation is they both respected everyone that they encountered. And like, it's my job to know this stuff inside and out and to do my own work inside and out, because it's a big deal. Both taking, taking it seriously, but not taking themselves seriously.
2: The last thing I'll say about it was, you might say that we experienced a kind of unity. You would diversity maintained. Um, <laughs> do it, no, do for real though. There yeah. was there. Uh, you didn't finish. We the hits. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
2: I'm not doing it. No, nope. we had it, heard enough already. No, uh, no, but and protected by love.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll just replace the AI of Drew saying it and make it sound like a like Abram, you know.
2: Okay, uh, no, but that's this. This is a kind of brief conversation I had with a friend a couple of weeks ago about how this sa- this quality of um, sameness versus unity. In that you, you know, we talked about how there's a lot of common ground here. Which is very true, but that doesn't mean these these two things, these two different perspectives, need to come into an amalgam where they are now one and you can't tell the difference just because right. they're saying they're talking about the same thing. There's still there was still really rich diversity that was maintained. Um, so the it's to me it's like this idea of the particularities. It, well, you can you can draw all your favorite things from all of the, the different schools of thought on the Enneagram and most people are going to use all their favorite like easy um, positive ones and not draw on the parts that are particular about what it means to practice working on your selfishness Oof. and the hard things. And that's the particularity of of any good tradition or any good school of thought around a system, I think. And so that is uh, what I think was also very present in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and wh- what I want to also just point out is we're not saying because there was enough similarity, well, let's just say all the same, let's just drop the, the uniqueness here from either side because we don't need it anymore because that's definitely not true. Mm-hmm. Um, they both in their own way have important things to say about what it means to grow and do hard work as a human being. And they speak specifically to the kind of person or the kind of uh, context you're coming from and i and i just think that's really valuable
0: yeah so let's listener we're in your boat like we're like wow this is lots of information not like what what now i mean yeah. I've, we've been thinking about this since the beginning of the season and i if you could see the google doc <laughs> right now it's it's it's
1: nine concerning pages um, <laughs> concerning <laughs> that's
0: that's one google doc then there's like my whole thesis yeah. that i was trying to <laughs> solve the mysteries in the universe on Um, you
1: got close too
0: so good job (laughs) good effort (laughs) um so i i want to move into individually (laughs) individually what do we these terms Hmm. how do we feel about them what are we going to do about how we're going to be using these or not using them how are we redefining them how do they apply to our lives it's just like a so what why is this Why is this important Mm -hmm. to us now?
1: I think, yeah, especially why does it matter if we've just seen or heard? We saw it. We saw it. You heard it. Um, (laughs) Russ and Mario so respectfully saying like, I see your perspective. Yes, I see why you're using these terms. Yes, I see why you're using these terms. But I would use these terms. So if there can be that, then why does it matter? and i guess for me i still feel I, i'm not quite ready to say i don't want to use ego in essence i'm still in a place where i want to keep exploring those phrases and see see what i can unpack as i as i learn more about them and i do feel like i have more resources and handles now to understand the questions that i actually have around those words so hopefully mm. maybe that's something we've done with with this work is at least helped you identify what you don't know about ego in essence or what you'd like, the questions mm. you'd like to ask. That's where I'm at with it right now.
0: I think that's so valuable. Like there's things that you don't know and then there's things you don't know that you don't know and those are the scariest. Right. But like to just find out what you don't know, then you have a direction of learning and discovering and that's that's so valuable.
5: Yeah, I think it matters because if, if we're going to do any you know, good and effective work with the Enneagram. I think we have to contend with the whole person. And I think ego and essence are really key components to understanding who we are in light of these other dynamics of personhood that we've explored over this season. And so I think we need to know because these these terms do get thrown around a lot. And we encounter that when we you know, well-intentioned people want to learn more about themselves and grow and develop. And they, so they'll seek out resources and then they'll talk about these terms and because it's, it can be so confusing and vague. I think it's does a disservice to those who are truly seeking to grow and develop. And, and so these concepts matter, even though they're complex and difficult and intertwined and, um, thorny at times, um, for those reasons, because, um, they are helpful ways for us to understand who we are.
0: Yeah. How, how do you anticipate you applying these terms differently?
5: Um, I think worrying less about simple categories of what's ego and what's essence and more of a blended approach to this is me <laughs> and uh, uh, <laughs> yeah I think um, being okay with the messiness that is mm. the two terms maybe overlapping or intermingling if you will mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah can I add to to mine I think that's something I noticed too and Drew you helped me recall it I, I feel like I've closed the, the gap where there was like duality between those two terms I feel like I've been able to kind of close that gap and be like, okay, this isn't a, a point A to point B situation, right? Where sure. I'm starting versus mm-hmm. where I want to end up and now I just need to fill in the space between them with the right tools and then I'm going to get to essence and just live there forever. But it's like it's all me. It's all here. Like you said, this is me. And um, there's going to be moments where I'm experiencing them simultaneously, And that feels confusing. Also, it feels really enlivening, you know, Um, to be able to see what's going on and go, oh, I have some choices here, (laughs) right?
2: I find that there really is an actual experiential difference between operating without the perception of kind of my regular automatic awareness that, that, you know, that habitual focus of where my attention is that I'm not really aware of and actually being more truly with life as it actually is. So I had a moment this morning, it was brief, but I was, you know, had this conversation in the back of my mind. It was an, I would say it was a noticeable like waking, kind of waking up moment where I, I had two, my, two, two of my sons with me and we were walking outside to go look in the mailbox. I wasn't aware that I was so fixated on the mailbox and just kind of my regular automatic, attention. And then there was something, I don't exactly know what it was. There was something that my three-year-old son said that helped me realize that I was in like a tunnel. Mm. And then um, because of that, there was a different quality of like, I'm not, I don't even know how to describe it very well, but it was like, I'm, I'm with my son and I'm I'm with both my sons and we're, it's, I don't know, I'm not putting it into words very well, but it was more of like, I'm, I'm able to encounter being with my kids and, and it's this actual beautiful moment of going to the mailbox. It was less uh, uh, like I'm on automatic, I'm going to do this thing. And it was it was more of an experience with with two humans that are amazing. It's kind of a, I don't know if I'm, I'm getting at what I'm talking about, but it's like, to me, it was marked by more of a curiosity of, of the experience, what I was doing, rather than I'm in, in some kind of stuck I go to the mailbox, and that's what I and I get the mail out, and that's what I do when I walk this direction. You know what I mean? It was like an adventure that I was on, and I didn't see that before until something, until my son said something that kind of helped me see that. Uh, and 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 you know, as we were saying, like I, I would say there was an aspect of the regular automatic state that I was in that was uh, that was a habitual pattern of seeing, and you can call that that's been de- defined as ego, ego. Um, but there was nothing wrong with that, it's just I was not aware beyond much of the regular uh, automaticity that I'm, you know, I'm comfortable with, um, and then I, there was something else that I was able to see something else that was here that I couldn't see before, and I was able to experience something more deeply, in people, my own kids, that I wouldn't have been able to experience. Again, going back to what I was, what I said earlier, like, to me, that is a different quality of, of life that I was able to experience because of a perception change, because of a expansion expansion of, of awareness, I would say. So all that said, um, I do think it is valuable to still, you know, within the, the zeitgeist, the word ego is still quite popular. And so I think we need to meet people where they are. I wouldn't say the word Essence nearly is unless you're in enneagram circles, and and, and so I, I don't know like you could I think it's important to meet people where they are when when there is a common understanding but I also think it's uh it can be quite detrimental to house an entire experience within a category rather than just talking about whatever the hell it is that we mean that we're actually feeling and experiencing and sensing and and thinking and I think it's a, sometimes it's maybe even just a safer way to communicate what I feel. Just telling you the label, but we don't all we don't all have the same thinking about what we mean by that label. So let's just explain what it is we're trying to say, and that's that's a that's kind of what I drew from and where I'm operating from at this point.
0: Yeah, I guess for me, there's um, so I'm I have so many thoughts in my head. I'm going to try to keep it short and and clear, um, without getting lost in rabbit trails. But I think even at the end of the episode russ russ mentioned like he doesn't really even use the word essence anymore because it's much more valuable like we've been saying to go into the particularities into the specifics because we learn best in those that doesn't mean that it's an invalid word necessarily but when it's when it's used as a particularity instead of a category of things same with ego when it's you when it's concretized into into some sort of state rather than a a, a particular state rather than a category of behaviors or feeling states or actions. I think that's where I I see it become harmful is a hard word. It, it's a, it's a strong word, but I do think it, it can definitely at least just get in the way of good work of work that is balanced and holistic. Um, so, so personally, like I'm, Instead of saying essence, when I actually mean a more mature, adaptive way of feeling or acting, I'm just going to say that mm. when I when I'm talking about, yeah, my ego really fired up today. Right. It's 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 no, no. Like I I got really envious today, mm. like to Seth's point, where we're just talking about the thing that I'm talking about mm. and then we can talk about, okay, so that envy fire is like revved up. What does that mean? Like what's, what are the, what are the mature ways? Um, cause envy isn't necessarily bad. It's just, is naming something that you value that you would like. Right. So let's, let's look at both sides of these, of these, uh, things that are arising and then I can be maladaptive in my action toward, You like using envy as a way to either shame myself or to walk in bitterness towards another person, Mm. or I can be adaptive and and use like on the other, I think it's Michael Naylor who's told me one time, like the other side of envy is admiration. Mm. And can I be, can I admire it and let that, Ooh, I really like that. I want that to be a part of my life and use it for an adaptive action that is mature and not thinking less of the person because they have something that I want, right? Just in this specific example of envy. So, so I think in general, like I want to start moving away from those terms and talking about specifics. And I think when we talk about essence, right? The I'd rather talk about the what it, the inherent qualities of what it is to be human that are potentialities within us to develop and to mature. And that doesn't happen automatically it comes through being aware paying attention being brave and feeling the feelings that are coming up and doing skillful action towards the things that we want to see and we want to embody for the flourishing of ourselves and those around us once again instead of using essence as the better thing right or instead of using essence as a replacement for being aware or the essence instead of being present or essence instead of saying kind or compassionate again i'm just going back down to the this the particularities i think is where the universal lives um and and not running over those things because i don't want to bother with actually feeling and defining my internal states and that i think is the thing that gets in our way when using these terms is that we want it sounds mature, yeah. it sounds in like aware, it sounds it, it's just bypassy, bypassy, mm-hmm, bypassy. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't want to be that, I don't support that, and I don't want to contribute to it. Mm-hmm. So, no, like if people want to use ego in essence, by all means, but I, if, if you were a teacher, do the work not only in yourself and in your teaching that you are defining the heck out of those words. So, so your students and your clients know that just using the word doesn't excuse them from doing the work. And so that's, I guess that's my takeaway is it's like, there's some deeper layers here that we need to press into. And if we are clear about what those words mean, then we can actually, then we can use them in passing conversations mm-hmm. like like Drew, if we just started talking all musical terms vaguely, you would have no idea what we're talking about. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But us three like can talk about we can talk about random music stuff, but it's not helpful to you because you don't have the the specifics and the particularities of what those categories actually mean. Mm-hmm. So it's not helpful for you. And, and in some ways, it's not helpful for us because if we're just saying oh yeah we're going to play the one chord four chord five chord well you haven't given me the key you haven't given me the time signature you haven't given me the feel the genre all of that is really important information that needs to be established within this chord structure
1: well yeah and to your point about flourishing yourself and others like if three of us are having a great conversation and Drew's like not tracking with us then how how are we contributing to his flourishing you know?
0: Right. <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah. Can I tell a story? Always. It's, it's not one that I've experienced, but it could bring just a different perspective to what you're saying. There. I love what you said about specifics. And this is a story I, I, I use here at work sometimes that I think is really cool. So there's a, there's a story of a repairman. I know you're like, what is happening right now? Uh, there's a story of a repairman uh, that's called in to fix a problem that Henry Ford had with a big machine at his plant. <laughs> Anyway, after looking at this giant machine, the expert gets a ladder. Uh, he climbs up on it and he marks it with an X in chalk. This is the place to implement a fix, right? Obviously. So when the bill comes, it is a $10,000 bill. And Ford obviously is like, what? I want I need to see the itemized invoice. is so the expert sends another invoice showing chalk mark, $1. Knowing where to put it, $9,999. <laughs> so the point being... Power is in the specifics. Ambiguity muddies the water. And if you can say I've got an ego or you've got an ego problem, that's the chalk mark. Or I can just say I can name I'm stuck perpetuating loneliness because I feel un- uh, unsafe expressing my anger. Yeah. I can work with that, you know. You can mm-hmm. do something about that.
1: Mm. Thanks for that story. He's a Michigan hero. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay You've prepared something special for the ending of this episode. Uh, can, you, can you read what you have for yes, us?
1: Yes, I, I have trophies for each of you. <laughs> special I'm awards. so nervous. What? <laughs> okay.
0: Will uh, these be showing up at our doorstep?
1: <laughs> yes, engraved. Okay. Like Dunder Mifflin. What are those called? Dunder Dundee something? The Dundees. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, Creek. Two awards, actually two for each of you. Creek, your awards are most concerns in a season <laughs> and also a record use of the word concretization. Which I was laughing so hard when you just used it because I was like,
0: yeah.
1: Okay, Drew, your first no award is most able to conceptualize. Literally hundreds of missed Marco Polo's and respond effectively and efficiently (laughs) in like one minute. Marco Polo.
5: I'm the worst Marco Polo user. (laughs) Or are are you the best? Really? Or maybe the best. I don't know. (laughs) Depends on your perspective. According
1: to this award, you are the best. Your second award is um, for being able to organize the hell out of a Google Doc.
0: <laughs>
1: yes <laughs> like wow hashtag
0: preserving
5: wow i received it
2: so Thank you. <laughs> yes. yes
1: very good i gotta everyone
5: right. send your google docs yes to me. I'll, he's I'll amazing for you i
1: was like for a fee oh my gosh that was <laughs> magic <laughs> like a wand you wave over the goog abram number one award is for most scene changes in one season like have you ever recorded an Two episodes in the same room? I don't know. It feels like you're in a different room <laughs> so every true. single time we record. I
2: didn't <laughs>
5: like. Realize where it.
1: are you today? Uh, I've never seen that shade like you're of pink a CIA before. <laughs>
2: agent on the run or something. <laughs> I needed a wall that matched my
5: shirt.
1: Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just a floating head right now. Yeah. But then your second award is for most child <laughs> cameos in a season.
0: That's yeah. awesome. That was delightful. Yeah. That's just always
1: been. the I case. loved it every time.
0: Um, <laughs> it's real life.
1: And then just one award for just all of you collectively, and it is just the just the best team to join and be a part of. Probably the least defensive, least offendable. I mean. I've tried to offend you guys. You're like unoffendable.
2: <laughs> True self, <laughs> like, right there, remember? Yeah, right. There it is. You're like,
1: okay, give us more <laughs> critiques. Tell us more. We want to learn. We want to grow. I I honestly do think it's important for the listener to know. Like for me, going from being a listener of this podcast, sort of an acquaintance and a colleague of all of you, to a co-host and a friend, like there's there's been no shock. There's been no no uh Jarring upsets of like these guys are not who they say they are. Like you're you're the real deal. Mm. You're doing the work. I see Thank it. You. I feel it. I, I I appreciate it. It's been a great season. Mm. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Lindsay It really has. And and my award to you. I think we can all speak to easily the most fun out of three out, out of the three us. <laughs> oh, without a, you're welcome. <laughs> without a doubt. That's true.
4: And
5: Fathoms Podcast Rookie of the Year. Rookie. <laughs>
0: Yes. Of course. Yeah. Rookie of the it year. <laughs> wow. um, so listener, thank you so much for joining us on this season. Mm-hmm. We love you so much. Um, and we can't wait to uh, to revisit some of these topics in the future. Feel free to continue to reach out to us with any sort of questions. Uh, join the the share cast. We'll be, we'll be keeping tabs on that and uh, responding as we can. Uh, the link will be in the show notes there. So, as as a a send off, regardless of all the complicating factors of of what we just talked about, anything in this season, we collectively put together a, a um through our collective intelligence, we put together just a um, I don't even know what to call it, but just a a thesis on what we're here to do, regardless of how the terms you use, how you identify. Whether you think the Enneagram is stupid or amazing, this is what (laughs) I think we are trying to do as a podcast, which is through clear thought, a curious heart and adaptive action, we want to skillfully cultivate the inherent qualities of what it is to be an aware and mature human, a human who is focused on the flourishing of oneself and those around them. To embody a deep sense of true peace on the inside and absurd love on the outside allowing comfort and discomfort to be the guide to waking up to embrace the unknown and the not want to be known as an invitation to a far greater unfiltered experience of belonging to each other and to this universe thanks y'all Thanks for listening to this episode of Fathoms, and Enneagram podcast. If you found this episode helpful in any way, consider sharing it with a friend or family member. We are so honored to be on this journey with you, discovering our inner depths one fathom at a time. Truthwork Media Studios.